Our scripture for today is from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on shore, a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had not worn any clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd stampeded down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it to the city and in the country. People came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then the whole throng of the people of the surrounding region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your house and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may. Can you hear me? Is it on? There it goes. So usually on Father's Day, you don't really talk about demons too much, do you? It's kind of an odd scripture as it came up in the lectionary this week, and we kind of went back and forth about, um, you know, what we were going to do with it, you know, if it was uh, really a scripture that uh, maybe, um, maybe didn't fit today so well. But um, the more that I thought about it, uh, the more that I kind of saw a lot of our stories kind of wrapped into this, because um, the story of the Gerasene demoniac, or the story of uh, the man with many demons, is uh, really a story about names, and uh, the way that names can uh, both break some problems that we have and the way that names can kind of uh, make some brand new problems for us. So the last couple weeks uh, in our family, we talked a lot about names, uh, about our names, uh, how we came about them, how our parents uh, kind of came about them, different people in our lives that, that influenced the names that members of my family had. And uh, my oldest daughter, she went to summer camp recently, and uh, we've had about a dozen other kids uh, here at the church that have gone to the same summer camp, and their theme this year was uh, names, uh, the names that we carry. 
And, uh, and so we, we kind of had a special time set aside where we talked about our names, uh, where they came from, the special significance that was befi- behind them. Now, uh, in my family and in my family of origin, um, we typically go, go by our middle names, uh, which is kind of a unique thing, but it causes some problems. Um, does anybody else in here go by your middle name? Just me. Awesome. Oh, a couple others. Okay. Yes. Some solidarity there. I love it. Um, now, for those of us that go by our middle names, uh, one of the worst days of the year for us is the first day of school. Because you kind of have to like, they, they always say a name. Nobody knows whose name it is. You got to raise your hand. You got to say, I go by my middle name. And then there's all these questions. And then you got to do that just uh, over and over and over again. When you're in high school, you got to do it like seven times a day. It's terrible. And I have passed on this problem to my children. I felt it was only fair that they deal with the same problem that I had to deal with, right? One of the joys of fatherhood is you get to just kind of shove your problems to the next generation like that. But, but it's kind of a cool story that goes behind it. The uh, kind of the, the religious legend, I guess, that um, my dad told me about why we go by our middle name is uh, in our tradition, um, it was that your first name was a spiritual name that was only known between your parents and God. And your middle name was known by everybody else. And so if there was a point in your life where uh, perhaps in the middle of the night in a dream or in a vision, uh, an angel came to you uh, to carry a message from God, uh, you would know that it was an angel if they called you by your first name. And you would know that it was the devil um, dressed as an angel or appearing as an angel if they called you by their middle name. This is pretty cool, right? Uh, But the problem in my modern context is uh, the only people that know my first name or call me my first name regularly um, are are either the bank or the army. (laughs) Neither institution well known with their relationship with God, right? Um, Not a lot of divinity that's kind of found in that, but... But the idea about going by my middle name was, was something that was really, really kind of unique. I, I always really enjoyed it. But um, kind of like how I alluded to at the beginning of my service, um, the, or the beginning of the service today, the way that I came about my two names, so my first name is Stanley, uh, my middle name is Arthur, um, or these were two father figures that my dad had in his life growing up. So my dad was uh, the first man in a generation of any of the dads that I know on that side of the family that was present for his family. And so the, these two gentlemen um, that were in his life, Stanley was uh, his stepdad that married my grandmother uh, much later on in life after my dad had already moved out of the house. But in the way that he took care of my grandmother and the way that uh, they, they formed a really deep relationship and the way that he uh, formed a, a, a deep relationship with my dad, um, it created this incredible impression in his life that he wanted to name his son after Stanley. So my grandpa Stanley is one of the names that I kind of carry, my dad's stepdad. Um, now, Arthur comes from a gentleman in my, my dad's life that was a, a neighbor that would come over and uh, help around the house, would do different projects for my grandmother, would uh, take my dad to baseball games, would teach him how to play different kinds of sports. So Friedrich Arthur was uh, just a man from the neighborhood that was uh, a great and tremendous father figure that my dad had growing up. And so I've always kind of carried the legacy of these two names.
that were these father figures in my dad's life, even though not his biological father. And, and it was only a couple of years ago that I was kind of talking to my dad about this, and I was like, you know, I was thinking about, thinking about Stanley, and I was thinking about Arthur. Is it, is it for real that you guys named me after grandma's husband and grandma's boyfriend in the same? And my dad was like, well, I didn't think about it that way at the time, but now that you mention it, it kind of comes together in a really unique way, doesn't it? Uh, there's a lot that goes into names, uh, the stories that they carry, the impressions that they make. And we see that really deeply in the scripture that we read today. Um, this idea about names that comes out is, as Jesus is <clears throat> kind of continuing his ministry around the Sea of Galilee or Lake Gennesaret, this is, like we've talked about before in here, not, not a really large body of water. Uh, I mean, it's, we're, we're talking about much smaller than like Lake Gunnersville here, right? So you can stand on one side of the lake and, and you can see people walking around on the other side of the lake. And so Jesus went to the east side of the lake, to the land of the Gerasenes, and uh, as soon as he steps off the boat, now at other times he's greeted by crowds of people that are just following him around, but this time uh, he's greeted by a crazy naked guy uh, that comes running up to him um, and just kind of falls down before him, and yet immediately knows who he is. So this man immediately calls out Jesus' name. Jesus, Son of God, what are you going to do with me? And so there's this immediate recognition of who Jesus is. And yet, in this moment, even Jesus is, is kind of waiting for the power of a name that's to come to return the name of the man. And yet there's so much fear in this moment that as this man kind of runs up to Jesus and asks what he's going to do with him, Jesus asks him what his name is. He says, my name is Legion. Because this man had a lot of problems. He had a lot of demons. He had a lot of things going on inside him that it seemed to taking control over his life to where now uh, he had been living in chains. He'd been living locked up. He'd broke out of the chains. He'd been driven out of town. He was living in the hillsides and the tombs. He was living in the most uh, unclean portion of the land that, that you could come up with at that point in time. Forgotten, isolated, chained up, not by physical chains anymore, but by the demons and the problems in his life that had wrapped him up so much that had driven him to the side of this lake. And yet he still recognized who Jesus was. Just the power that that name had over him. The making of a breaking for that problem is this man immediately knew who Jesus was but didn't know what it meant for him to come into his life. Was he going to send the demons into the abyss? Was he going to wipe them out entirely? There was so much fear because he didn't realize what it meant for Jesus to come into his life right there at that moment. And so Jesus cleans him. Jesus wipes out all of the problems. Jesus casts out all of the demons. Gives their permissions to go jump into uh, the other unclean things in the area. To the, to the herd of pigs that were in the area that became so chaotic, they, they ran down the hillside into the lake and drowned. Now, this created some problems as well. 
the farmers, for the swine herds, for the pigs, uh, saw what happened and went into town and began to tell everybody else. And you can imagine that they're used to probably talking about this guy. They're used to talking about the crazy naked guy in the countryside that lives in the tombs. They're, they're used to talking about this guy that would break chains that nobody could control, that nobody could talk any sense into. And now, all of a sudden, this guy has shown up that suddenly has changed this man entirely. And so they go back out to see just what Jesus has done. And they find this man clothed. They find him sitting on the ground at Jesus' feet. They find him with a clear and a right mind. And yet they were terrified. They were frightened. They weren't, they weren't excited. They weren't rejoicing. They weren't welcoming him back. They were wondering, what in the world does this mean to us now? It just seems like the problems keep jumping from one person to the other. Because when Jesus walks into our lives, we're not exactly sure what it means for the way that we're living our lives. Because everybody seems to recognize in just a moment the power that comes with Jesus' name. That when Jesus enters your life, you cannot go back. You cannot go back to the way that things were. Everything changes from that point on. And guys, that is a scary thing. Because as many of the problems and the demons and the frustrations and the disappointments and the swirling around of, uh, of issues that each and one of us have in our lives, of the things that we wish that God would solve and that God would heal, the truth of the matter is, is there is things and labels and names and many problems that we're holding on to that we wouldn't know how to let go of even if God wanted us to. It's hard to let go all of our problems because most of the time the problems are how we define ourselves. The problems become the labels and the names that we speak over ourselves that become the labels and the names that other people speak over us. And we just start to define ourselves by those words and those names and those problems and those issues. And by the time that Jesus comes to heal us, we don't know who we would even be if Jesus healed us anymore. We cry out for healing while still holding on to the things that hurt us that chain us up. And so as they come back to see Jesus with this man sitting in front of them, totally made whole again, totally healed, totally in his right mind, they're still locked up in the chains that used to physically bind up this guy. Now they're the ones saying, Jesus, we don't know what to do with you. We need you to go. It's so interesting in this story that the only person that comes up to Jesus in the whole story is the one with all the problems. Everybody else keeps trying to push him away. And isn't that the way we come to Jesus as well? With way too many hurts, way too many problems way too many demons and addictions and frustrations and disappointments and not knowing how in the world to let go of each and every one of them. What would it mean for us to even be healed? What does that even look like? The man who had the many demons, as he's sitting there in front of Jesus, Jesus starts to get back on the boat and the guy's like, man, I want to come with you. 
I don't have anything else here for me. I don't even know who I am anymore in this land. All I know is I want to follow you. And then this time, Jesus is the one that pushes him back. It tells him that he still has something to do. In this last part of the story, we never find out what his real name is. We never find out what everybody else knows him by. But he went from legion, the one with many problems, to now whole, clean, healed, touched, and now sent. New names that have broken the power of the old ones and yet create some other problems for us as well. Because what do we do with them? What do we do with the new names that God gives over us of wholeness and healed and sent? Jesus sends him back home. The first time I read it, I thought, man, Jesus is sending him back to the people that know his name. Jesus is sending him back to the people that know him by the different names than the ones that used to bind him up. That ended up with him being cast out. But this time Jesus doesn't just send him off on his own. He sends him with a mission and a purpose. He says, go and tell everybody what God has done for you. Sometimes we make this walk in faith so much more complicated than what it has to be. When really, the simple name that Jesus speaks over the, the, the man right here in this moment is child of God. Now go and tell everybody what God has done for you. Jesus has broken the power of all the other names and labels and frustrations and chains and disappointments and the brokenness in his community and has now made him whole and has sent him to tell other people about him. Jesus breaks some problems in our lives, which then makes some other problems in our lives, because how do we live from here? But when we go forth to spread the news that God has done something incredible in our life, that God has healed our hearts, that God has steadied our minds, that God has given us grace and hope and compassion and forgiveness and given us all those things that we never even knew that we needed. The problem of giving that away free to the world, man, that is a good problem to have. Let us also be sent, giving the good news that there is healing and life and freedom and a new name spoken over you. That they're no longer the names and the chains and the labels that hold us down, but they're names that give hope of healing, of grace and mercy. We get to go forth and share that in the power to share the name of the one who healed us and tell everybody what God has done for us. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks.
God, we give you thanks for your word because your word teaches us that, God, we have been chained up, we have been cast out, we have got demons and addictions and frustrations and problems that are more than we can ever count in our lives. But, God, you are the one that when you walk into our lives, you never leave us as you found us. God, you have set us free. And so take every other name that has held us back, take every other name uh, that has torn us down and break the power over it and make with us a new problem. The problem of asking, where do we go from here? Send us back home, send us back to those that know our name, send us back to the communities that need to hear the stories of hope and of healing and of grace and mercy. And let us carry your story with our lives as a testimony of your healing and your grace, that others may come to know you as well, of how much you have done for us. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.